lot of soul. This is Rod Jans with Fuel Radio, and on the line with me today is Isabel Mercier-Turcotte. Isabel is a no-nonsense gal, helping people build businesses and lives that totally rock. She works with passionate entrepreneurs to create, communicate, and deliver massive value through innovation strategies, brand alignment, and performance coaching. She's known as the catalyst dedicated to empowering one million entrepreneurs to rock their businesses and lives into shape. Welcome to Fuel Radio, Isabel. Oh, am I glad to be back. <laughs> <laughs> Isabel and I have been doing a series and uh, we're on series, this is episode number seven of the Build to Rock series. It's called Build to Rock, Position It Right, Deliver It Right, Get Paid Right. Just as, as, just as a personal little testimony, I'm learning lots myself. I'm getting a little bit of feedback and I'm hearing some really good things about what we've talked about so far. One thing that I saw uh, the other day, actually, it was, uh, you know, uh, someone commenting saying that this was, this series was pure gold. Nice. <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, no kidding. It doesn't get much better than that. That's, That's awesome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so before we jump into today's episode, which is business architecture ingredient number four policies and boundaries sounds a little dry but i <laughs> i'm sure it's going to be good oh yeah I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's important uh let's just talk about the last episode episode number six which was business architecture ingredient number three systems and processes and i think the main thing i remember from that one was just about how to ask for money during the proposal process or discussing the budget uh, before you create a proposal and how important that was that really spoke to me and I actually talked to a couple of other contractors about that too do you want to say anything about that before we, we dive into today's episode sure sure absolutely and and some of the systems and processes that we've reviewed in that episode was you know the lead magnet the qualifying process the proposal process the onboarding process how do you onboard clients completion process renewal process follow-up process and nurturing process and we did spend uh, more time on the proposal process because this is something that I see all the time people don't talk budget um, and then they spend uh, a little bit of time creating a quote rather than a full-on proposal and I'm not saying that a proposal needs to be 37 pages but it needs to reiterate what you guys have discussed through the process and a proposal to me is not to determine if you guys are going to work together or if I'm going to work with someone. It's to make sure that we are all on the same page because we've agreed already on a budget, on a timeline, on objectives that need to be met. Um, and the proposal is just uh, to put it on paper, to give each other, each side a chance to review it and make sure that nothing has been, you know, nothing has fallen through the cracks. And so I don't tend to work with people who are shopping around. If they're shopping around, um, chances are they're going to base their decision on price rather than on value or rather than on capabilities of delivering on delivering results. And 
I'm not in the business of competing on price. I'm in the business of creating results. And too many people spend hours, sometimes a week, weeks, creating a proposal that is doomed to begin with. And there's, you know, I, I just want to put a stop to that because there's no need for that. And uh, there's no need to waste that much time on something that is doomed to, that is doomed to, that is doomed to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, that's the gem that I want people to say. If you, so if you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah, I've been there. My in, uh, in the past company that I, I ran, spent hours and hours on the proposal, actually flew to Chicago and met with this big organization. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't go anywhere. <laughs> so I'm sure I'm sure our listeners can relate to that too. Totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, let's dive into this business architecture ingredient. Uh, it's business architecture ingredient number four, policies and boundaries. Just introduce us to policies and boundaries. <laughs> yes, and, and as you said, sounds dry. <laughs> <laughs> but it is absolutely mandatory. Um, I, I see if we're continuing the theme of comparing things to building a house, this would be the framing of your house. And you wouldn't have a, a house... Um, if it wasn't for the frame of the house, for sure. So that is what you expect of your clients, what your clients expect of you. And I put in there as well, your winning ritual, what makes you great and keeps you great as you move forward with your business. And one of the biggest problems that I see when I work with small business owners and when I look under the hood is that most of them don't have policies and boundaries. And when they do have policies and boundaries, they don't enforce them. They basically wait until they're in a situation that they don't want to be in. And then they find themselves, you know, having to find ways to band-aid the situation instead of being crystal clear right from the start. And I have a couple of examples to give you about that. Um, I was working with a spa and the spa owner um, had always issues with employees not wearing their the proper uniform for the spa. And that was her biggest complaint. You know, oh my God, my employees are not listening to me. They come in in jeans and they should have the spa uh, um, attire or uniform. And I'm so tired of dealing with them for this. And my question was, what happened? First of all, are they clear about the rule? And she's like, absolutely. They're super clear about the rule. I said, well, obviously they're not. And she's like, no, 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 no. I, I tell them every day and they're clear about the rule. I said, well, do you, what happens when they come in and they are in jeans? She goes, well, you know what? I, I bitch at them. I'm not happy. No, no, I'm exaggerating, you know, for, for dra I'm dramatizing this, but <laughs> she was not happy. And she kept telling them, what is wrong with you? You, th this is the policy. I don't understand why you're not coming with the proper uh, uniform. And I said to her, tell you what, if they, if they don't come in the way you want them to come in, it is because they think they can. Yeah. There is no other way around that. Yeah. Um, and I said, oh, what is the consequence for them to, you know, have experience not come in with the proper attire? And she says, well, you know, other than me not being happy, nothing. I said, well, what would happen if you turn them around tomorrow? Turn them around. No pay for the day. <laughs> Go back home and come back when you're, when you're dressed, when you're supposed to be dressed. They wouldn't do that again. I guarantee you that. 
it's almost like small business owners are afraid of not being liked or not being a good boss. Mm. Or, um, even with clients, another example would be a client of mine never gets paid on time. Yeah. And and that will resonate with, you know, millions of people out there for sure. Uh, absolutely. That happens so much. It does, but because you know, our policy is we get paid upfront or upon receipt. So we have a 50% upfront and an upon receipt or upon completion uh, when it's uh, on creative projects. When it's a coaching relationship, we get 12, if it's a year coaching relationship, we get 12 post-data checks in our hands so we are in control of depositing every month. We don't need to wait for anybody. Now, the policy, let's say for uh, one-off projects, the policy is 50% upfront, payable upon completion. Let's say you're a designer and you're, you know, you're delivering a brochure. You not listening to your own rule would look like the brochure is ready, it's at press and it's at the printers and the printer is going to deliver directly to the client and the printer is going to deliver when it's ready and you haven't yet paid, gotten paid yet. I had a rule which was very clear. One week prior to it being printed and ready, I'm going to send you an invoice. I'm going to tell you when it's going to be ready. I'm going to give you a week to actually get a check ready. I'm going to hold the stuff at the printer. Nothing will get delivered to you until I have a check in my hands. The moment I have a check in my hands, you will have it delivered ASAP. Mm -hmm. What that does is it gives you leverage. If the client has a website already done and live, so for example, that would be another good example. The website does not go live until it's fully paid, period. Believe me, the client is going to want their website to go live. However, if you've delivered the goods and if the website is already live and you haven't gotten paid, you have absolutely no leverage to enforce your rule. And a rule is a rule. There has to be consequences for, for that happening. Um, and if you don't enforce your own rules, it's like raising a child. If you say no to candies before dinner, and suddenly they, they take a candy and they eat it and you saw it, and they saw that you saw it, and no consequences happen, you've lost all credibility for future. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. It's the same in business. Yet people don't do it. People don't do it enough. And, and so I teach uh, people to create policies and boundaries about here's what, so when I give a proposal, and we talked about that in the previous episode, at the end of my episode, uh, at the end of my episode, at the end of my proposal, um, there's a service agreement. And the service agreement talks about what you can expect from us and what we expect from you. And I review this with the client. Mm -hmm. I actually go over and I go, okay, so about confidentiality. Here, this is the rule for us. Are you in agreement with that? Perfect. About reliability and trust. Um, this is the rule for us. Listen, we keep our word 100%. We commit to, to deadlines according to the proposed timeline, agreed upon, and we consider all that final so long as the client, you know, so long as you don't cause delays. And, you know, our reward is providing satisfaction to our clients and, you know, blah, blah, blah. We, I actually review all of this with them. I review updates and budget debt guidelines and budget deadlines. I review this with them crystal clear on the table and I tell them, 
if you don't pay me on time, like I will respect 75,000 of your deadlines as, as a process of us working together. Yeah. The, only, the only two deadlines that I ask you to uh, follow are when I show you something and I ask you for feedback at a specific time and date, I want you to respect that because we have a process internally. Mm-hmm. And Often, you know, and this, again, a lot of people, a lot of listeners are going to uh, connect with this is clients are all about getting things done yesterday or last week or a year ago. They all want this instantly liquid split. However, you know, if you bend over backwards to do it fast and give it to them fast, sometimes they'll take a week or two to get back to you. <clears throat> yeah. This is a rule that I don't tolerate. You know, this is something <laughs> I tell people up front. I go, if you do this, we're not going to get along. And so... I actually give all the rules and and expectations and I start with what they can expect of me. Mm -hmm. I take responsibility for what I will deliver. I am 100%. I walk my talk 100%. If I say that, you know, we're going to be on or under budget, we will. Unless you add a scope creep. If the client suddenly add, adds a couple different things, of course, I'm going to, you know, the budget is going to rise. However, my role is to make them understand or uh, have them feel like they can trust me. So I always start with what you can expect of me. Mm-hmm. Then I go to, through a list of what I what I want to ex- what I can expect from you, and then I lay it down on the table and we talk about it, we joke about it, and when they change the rule or later on when they don't listen to these rule, I go, hmm, let's say, Rod, I've, I'm working with you. I'm going to go, hey, Rod, remember our first meeting when we went through policies and boundaries and what I can expect of you and what you can expect of me? Remember we talked about this rule? Then you would go right away. You go, oh, yeah, I totally remember that. Then I'd go, well, you're breaking it now. <laughs> yeah. So let's revert to something that could work for both of us, right? So yeah. It is massively important for people to have boundaries and to be able to um, respect those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Now, you need to have, um, you need to understand though that there's a there's a fine line. For example, if you have employees and you say to them, "Okay, this," you know, you for example, I was at Raw Canvas here in Vancouver years ago, and. Um, I was the, to meet a client there and they open at 11.30 and I thought they opened at 11. So I had a meeting uh, at 11 with a client at Rock Canvas. So when I arrived there, um, it was closed. But there was a couple employees in the shop getting ready for 11.30. So I kind of looked in the window and they kind of mimicked to me, they mimed that they open in 30 minutes. And I thought, Okay, uh, that's not good. So I tried reaching my client. I tried going to another cafe. They were all full. Anyways, so I came back at 11.15 at Rock Envis. And at some point, she saw me pacing. It was raining as well, by the way. That was not fun. She <laughs> was pacing in front. And then she opened the door and said, we open at 11.30, as I said earlier. But would it be of value to you to come in right now? We won't be able to serve you right away, but at least you could come in and sit down. And I thought... Yeah, that would have been nice at 11. You you would have saved me. But she was instructed that the rule is we open at 11.30. So we need to understand and we need to teach our employees which rules are a deal breaker and which rules are to be tweaked or bent for the sake of a client and for the sake of of creating a great experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. There is a fine line with that, you know. It's a, uh, it's about creating a great experience for the client, but at the same time, you can't run a business if you have uh, four months of accounts receivable. Yeah, I have, I have zero accounts receivable. I get mm-hmm. paid up front, and I have posted a checks for a year contract. And there's no um, even a client recently has asked me, I don't want to give you posted a check. Can I, can I transfer money in your account every month? said only if it's automated and it has nothing to do with you remembering (laughs) yeah i don't want to have to call people to remind them to pay me yeah Uh, when i work with someone we deal about money up front and Mm -hmm. then we're done talking about money i don't want to have to remind people i just want to be fully present at helping them move forward so for me those are there are non-negotiables and and of course i I worked with hsbc bank years ago and uh, they were asking me for a three month a 90 day uh payable Mm. and i I thought wow see this is what happens to small business owners right they're like oh my god this is hsbc yeah i don't want to miss out on this opportunity they're big and they could be really good for my future i don't want to say no to that i'm payable upon receipt they want three months Mm -hmm. i sat down with them and i said listen you guys i'm a small business i'm not a bank you are you are the bank and you are asking me to pay three months of my employees working on your project with no money yeah Tell me that you think that somehow this is not quite fair. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, I am more than willing to work with you. In fact, I would like to adjust my rule for you. However, it's not going to be three months. I can give you 30 days. Yeah. I'll give you 30 days, but I don't want to have to remind you that you're on a 30-day uh, accounts payable with me. So prove to me that you're going to make that work within 30 days. And I'll be happy to bend my upon receipt, uh, <laughs> upon receipt. So it doesn't, when you have rules and policies and boundaries, doesn't mean you can't bend the rules, but you need to bend them only if it's a win-win mm-hmm. and only if it's purposefully done. Yeah. Not, not a, like, this is what I see too, too often. Oh yeah, we have rules and policies, mm-hmm. but you know what? We're not going to talk about those right now because we want that client. It's like, well, you're actually shooting yourself in the foot. And the more you have rules and regulations that are intelligent, the more you are set up properly, the more you actually operate properly, and the more people trust you. Nobody wants to work with a wet noodle. Uh, and people, has, they, people have never said, all of my clients have never said, oh, Isabel, she's too harsh to work with. No, they've always said, my God, she protects her, t- she protects her time. When she says she's going to do something, she does it. And she always over delivers. And she's always up to par with everything. And she's worth every penny. And she is worth for us uh, merging into her particular boundaries because she knows that it makes her great and keeps her great. Yeah. I, I like how you close that up there and, and mentioned the word trust. Cause I was thinking while you were talking about this, how much it inspires confidence. Like I I've been on both ends of this. I've been on the end where we've had lots of accounts receivable. And um, you know, in the case where we had accounts receivable, we had to hire someone to go and, and collect, but you don't want to be like that. Like nobody wants to hear from someone who's collecting, you know, that, that doesn't make your customers feel, feel great. And, and, and then on the other side of it, as a, as someone who's hiring vendors, it, you're right. It totally inspires trust. Like I'm, I'm impressed 
with their professionalism when they have boundaries and they're maybe with the printer, with one printer that I use, you know, he charges me right away before the, before the, uh, before the, before anything's printed or anything. And and on the flip side of that, he delivers like he's fast. He's so what I love working, you know, sometimes I'll even go to him and, and you'll like this. I might even pay a bit more (laughs) because I know I, when he says it's going to be done in in two or three days, it's done in two or three days. Absolutely. And you touched on a point, uh, you said an example here about, you know, a, a department for accounts receivable or a person that is in charge of phoning for accounts receivable. Yeah. I call that a band-aid. Yeah. There's no, there's no need to have an accounts receivable person making calls. That's mm-hmm. just, that's an indication of you not having proper policies and automated boundaries yeah. that, that set this up. There's a way to actually take on automatic uh, visa payments. There's a way to create automatic uh, bank transfers or wire transfers. Mm-hmm. So there are ways to actually set yourself up so that you don't need to actually phone for accounts receivable. Right. And um, to me, that's a big, ba- it's a big, big, big bandaid. Um, and you could have this time. I was working with, a, with an accounting firm uh, years ago, for many years actually, and their accounts receivable was a full-time job. And, and the full-time job didn't even do it justice. <laughs> and I thought the problem isn't that your gal is not good at collecting. Your problem is you've you've allowed your people not to pay, yeah. not to pay on time, and therefore they think they can. So they will pay. If you had three bills on your desk, uh, Rod, and two of those bills didn't really have a deadline, or you knew you could wait, and one of them was a dead hardcore deadline, which one would you pay? Yeah, for sure, you'd pay the one with the deadline. Yeah. Of course, yeah. and that goes with all tasks. <laughs> if you have tasks that have you know, hardcore deadlines and non-negotiables around them and a whole bunch of to-dos that can be done anytime. Well, the ones that are going to get done are going to be the ones with a hardcore, harsh deadline. Mm-hmm. So um, I, what I say to people is, okay, let's have a look at what you worry about the most. So, you know, what what is clunky in your business? And for every clunkiness, there is a boundary or a rule that you're not enforcing. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. What are, what are some of the categories I hear you saying for, for policies and boundaries? I hear you saying having, you want to have policies and boundaries for yourself, like what you will deliver. You want to have policies and boundaries for your clients. Yeah, and what you're expecting of the clients. And that, that includes, you know, honesty, responsibility of your action. As a coach, you know, I can advise my clients, but at the end of the day, they're responsible for their own choices. And they can't come back to me and said, you know, well, you said this and you said that. I, I want self-responsibility. So I address that. Yeah. I address commitment and satisfaction. You know, I have them, I say in that, I say, if you are unhappy or uncomfortable with any aspect of our relationship, you commit to discussing it with us as soon as it occurs. Your satisfaction is important to us. We always welcome any feedback, supportive or constructive. And the last thing I want is for someone to go, well, you said something six months ago and I'm still, you know, I'm still not happy about that or I'm still uncomfortable about that. And they've dragged that on uh, for a long time. Like I'm a, hey, if something doesn't work, um, whether it's our, uh, our appointment rhythm, whether it's, you know, our methodology of communicating, whether it doesn't matter to me what it is, what matters is that I give them the 
opportunity, the space to actually come back to me with positive, constructive feedback, uh, positive and constructive feedback. Mm -hmm. um, I talk about agreement of financial terms. And I say to them, you know, this is this is literally what I'm, I'm I'm looking at my sheet here. It says all financial terms of this proposal are to be respected without fault, and that's me to them as well. You know, yeah. additional fees will be paid as agreed and invoiced. Um, expenses would be built will be billed within 30 days on the date that it that they occur and are due upon receipt, and you will be charged a $25 fee of NSF. Uh, check if, if a check is NSF. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, it sounds harsh, but as I explain it to them uh, or with them as part of the proposal process, you know, I, I don't say it with a Hitler face. You know, I actually, I'm, I'm a nice gal. I want their best interests at heart. And if I'm not set up to thrive, then I can't help them as much as I can help them. Mm -hmm. So um, I also talk about uh, deadlines. I talk about scope creep. Like if there's, I, I talk about deadlines and money saying we are going to be on budget or under budget. We always aim to be under budget because we like to be heroes. Uh, but at the same time, if something is to change, if you're to add something that's going to alter this budget, we will never spend a dime over what you've approved without mm -hmm without discussing it with you and without having your full on approval. Yeah. What if, if what if in the process you're working with someone it, and, and it comes up like, Oh, we should really add this. Do you, do you just handle it in the same way? Yeah, absolutely. I go, yeah. you know what, let me see if this would fit in the budget we already have. Cause yeah. it might, yeah. depending on where I'm at on the budget and we're going to move forward with it. If you don't hear from us, we're moving forward with it without any uh, changes in the budget. Mm -hmm. But if you hear back from us, I will tell you what this will change in the budget. And that'll be your decision to actually give me the green light. But I don't move forward without a written green light at every stage of the of the business, of the project. And at 75% of my budget, so if I work on you know, creating a, a brand new product naming and website and all that, and, and, and it's a three-month process, at the 50% mark of my budget, I will connect with the client and give them my, my best guess that we are going to be within budget. At the 75% mark, I'm going to connect with this client as well again and say, we're totally on par or... I am now starting to feel a little bit on at ease because uh, I'm feeling like we might go a little bit over budget. And if it's over budget, it's going to be no more than 10%. Do I have your permission? Of course, that's not the goal, but I want you to know. I'd, there's n at no point whatsoever have I ever sent a bill where you know the client went, holy crap, I was not expecting that. Yeah, so that's my that's my goal, um, and that's not true. It's happened, but then I rectified the matter, and now I have a rule for it, right? Yeah. Because I saw how devastating that that feels like for a client to be in that situation. And and think of it this way: Would you like to have a quote that is two grand, and suddenly you're being charged at the end thirty five hundred, and you've had no mention of that? Mm -hmm. You would hate it. I would hate it. Yeah, <laughs> I would hate it. <laughs> Yeah, one of my best experiences was one of the first websites we ever built and working with a, a web company. They're actually here locally. I'll give them a shout out. They're called Burn Kit. And we were building a children's website and their administrator was so good. Like he, he, re, he reported in weekly 
Uh, you know, if there was going to be any additional charges, he would let me know. And he did what you said too. Like when they were like 50% of the way there, he reported to me and still one of the best experiences I've ever had in, yeah. in building a, a website or working with a vendor. It's almost like constructing a house, you know, when you build a website Yeah. and, and so few I think why it stands out is not many web developers are that professional <laughs> and people you hear horror stories all the time of people that work with web developers that have the opposite experience and sometimes never get the website that they asked for. You know? Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. And you said something, uh, you just said something that made me think of, oh man, I lost my train of thought. It'll come back. Cause it was, I wanted to add something about when you said they, at 50%, they gave you the, the heads up yeah. and not a lot of people operate that. Oh yeah. The hurry up and wait. So in, in the world of creative anything, uh, there's a, there's a whole thing and we touched on it a little bit earlier, the, this hurry up and wait. Um, and I tell people right off the bat, you know, Hey, I need to put a whole team working on this. I submerge myself in your project when I work on it. This whole hurry up and wait thing is not going to fly with me. So when I give you something for you to check over or for you to review or for you to give feedback to me, I want this to be done within the timeline that I give you. And if you're not able to, to make that happen, then I want you to connect with me and let me know when that would be possible for you. Because... It is difficult to always operate in a hurry up, hurry up. My God, the client needs this. And then suddenly, no, no, they're going to take three weeks to get back to us. And then we kind of lose track and we lose um, interest. I lose interest in the project when that happens. And I say that up front to the client. If you want my 150% through your entire project, get back to me when I tell you to get back to me. Yeah, there's kind of a momentum that's built. There isn't? is, yeah. absolutely. There's a momentum, there's a level of interest, and there's a level of commitment to the project that if you don't train your clients to work your way, and I have let go of clients, a big restaurant chain in Vancouver I've let go because it was all about hurry up and wait, and it became really difficult to work like I remember going at home crying at the end of my day thinking oh my god you know this was a hell day day after day after day because they became difficult to work with and it was no longer pleasurable yeah. and it was becoming really it was becoming a nightmare to work with them and I said to them, hey, listen, you know, we need to raise the bar here. We need to, we need to start working a little bit more like this and like that because we're not going to be able to service you anymore. And they weren't able to raise the bar, and therefore I've had to let them go. They were massively surprised that I'd let them go because they represented 75% of our revenue, and they knew that. And I remember the marketing director said to me, Isabel, you've, you have got one set of balls. Uh, and, and she meant this lovingly, like she didn't mean, it, you know. <laughs> she just went, I have never met someone that believes in what she does and how she does it the way you do and are willing to actually make it or break it with people. If it happens to kind of go against some of these, um, non-negotiable rules mm -hmm. and you know, there's no sense of working with someone if they make your life a, a living hell. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, no need for that. <laughs> do, you have this, do you have a story of a client that you've worked with who has uh, implemented policies and boundaries and it's really worked well for them? 
Absolutely. Uh, Colin Campbell actually was part of, uh, still is part of my Build to Rock program. And he's implemented uh, the proposal process and he's implemented the, um, the uh, service agreement. And he actually now spends, I think it's 95% less time. Like, I think it's one hell of a crazy stat like this. <laughs> 95% less time proposing and wooing the client and, you know, kind of the pre-signing on the proposal, <laughs> all yeah. that process. He spends 95% less time doing that. And he actually lands and closes almost all of his, um, his proposals. Yeah. And without, now, that causes a question for me. I'm, I think he doesn't charge enough. When, <laughs> this, is, this is one thing, right? Yeah. When you actually, and he actually charges a decent amount of money. But when you lend, and this is something that goes against the grain for me, most people. Most people think, oh my God, I land uh, or I make, I make happen 100% of all my proposals. And they think that that's good. No, people, that is not good. <laughs> that means that you're not charging enough. Yeah. Um, However, for him, it, first of all, he's made, he, is, uh, he has made the same amount of money that he's invested to be a part of Build to Rock. So basically, he's made his money back within two weeks of implementing this rule. And so he spends a lot less time proposing and in this whole you know, a service agreement process. And clients cannot wait to work with him because they feel like he's going to be a great leader for the project. He's got his... Uh, shit together <laughs> together and uh, and he's going to demonstrate he demonstrated great leadership up front in the proposal process and and that the rule establishing process which get which gets people to really up the ante and even want to work with him so this is what it does and this is what he's been able to do and this is what happened to me when i first started working with hsbc hsbc came to see me they wanted to sniff me. This is what happens, right? People want to sniff me and then they want to go, well, you know, could she work with us? Is she the right fit? And then they expect me to show my portfolio and do the dance and kind of bow and give them what they need in order to get this big project. I'm not like that. And now Colin is not like that anymore as well. So what I did with HSBC is when they came to see me, it was intimidating. I have to admit I was in my mid twenties. And uh, I had flown a whole bunch of people from HSBC world worldwide to come to this meeting. And um, they were wanting to see my portfolio. They were wanting to stiff me. And I said, listen, what I want to do, you, you came into me really highly uh, recommended. So I was highly recommended to them. So they already knew that I wasn't a hole in the wall. I wasn't just anybody. And so that helps, obviously. But through the meeting, I reverted the meeting for them to talk about themselves so that I would learn more about uh, who they are, what they do, why I would be interested in working with them. And Rod, within one hour, I had HSBC from testing me to praying that I was going to say yes to working with them. And that's as a result of me knowing exactly how I function, why I function this way. I put the emphasis more on the client than anything else. And it reverts that, oh, I'm kind of testing you to, oh my God, I hope that you're going to want to work with us. And I hope that there's going to be uh, room in your schedule for you to work with us. And that is precisely what Colin has been able to create as part of uh, doing the work in Build to Rock and particularly uh, that particular part of, of the whole Build to Rock process. I love that. I love that 
idea of reversing the roles. You know, like I've, I've been in situations where I used to work with someone quite closely and they were the, like the ultimate pitch man they, and they were really good at it, right? Yeah. But we, we'd go away from meetings not knowing anything about the client, you know, and, yeah. and it was so frustrating. It's like, okay, well, we don't really know how they make decisions, when they're going to make the decision. We don't know what their budget is. We don't, yeah. know, we don't know anything about them, you know. Exactly. They know plenty about us. But um, we, we, we go into it and you got to, then if you do happen to land them, you know, then you have to do all that work later. But I'd, I'd rather do it. I'd rather reverse the process and, and find out more up front. And in fact, um, my, my pre-qualifying process, which we've touched on a little bit in the previous episode, my pre-qualifying process, before you get a chance to speak with me and book a one-on-one call to establish more of the fit, you need to fill out a needs assessment online, which is actually, it'll take you about 30 to 45 minutes to do. Yeah. And it's massively valuable for the prospect and it's massively valuable for me because our first call becomes me. I already know a lot about you and it becomes a, a call that I can actually add a lot of value to you to demonstrate how I work rather than it being a discovery call. And what do you do? And, and I found that over the years, you know, clients really love to talk about themselves and they'll take two hours to talk about themselves when I could have read it in five minutes on the needs assessment. Mm-hmm. And so I, of course, I want to speak with them and I want to engage a conversation, but I want to have enough intel to be able to add value early on in the process. So people go, oh my God, look at the value that I've gotten for free. Imagine if, if I was under her wing. Imagine if I actually worked with her. Um, and that's what you want to create early on in a relationship to flip the coin so that it's not just them sniffing you, but it's equally you sniffing them to see if they're the right fit for you. They might, they might not be. Right. Yeah. Good. So what's our leap of the week for this episode? Leap of the week. This is what I want your listeners and everybody, everybody listening to do. I want you to really sit down and look at everything that is a little bit clunky with your clients and and with your business. And I want you to create a list of what your clients can expect from you as you work with them. What are your non-negotiables, you know, whether it's payable upon receipt, whether it's whatever it is, what are some of your non-negotiables that if these problems were solved, you would love your business even more. And so make a list of what clients could expect from you and what you would really want uh, for your clients, for what you would like to to expect from your clients. And I would love for you to connect with me on Facebook, the Build to Rock private Facebook group. And I'd love for you to post some of those non-negotiables for you because you might learn from other people's non-negotiables as well. And I'm more than happy to post my own service agreement on the, uh, on the Facebook group Build to Rock. Um, and so I would love to connect with you uh, out there and see what some of your non-negotiables are. That would be really interesting to me. Great. So you're going to post your own, uh, what, what did you say you're going to post there? That yeah, like- I'm going to post my own service agreement. So it's a one pager. Yeah. So what I expect from my clients and what they can expect of me, I'm going to post that on the Built to Rock Facebook group, private Facebook group. And uh, that way you'll have an example of that. 
and and then if you can actually share with me as a comment below that post or anywhere on that uh, on the Facebook group what some of your non-negotiables would be and what you would like to improve in your business um, I will be able to assist and help further and of course it'll be interesting for me to get to know all of you Great. Yeah. And I've been posting there. So if people want to see what some of my business goals are, they can go and, and take yes. a look. And Isabel and I have been interacting on that Facebook page and we'd love to interact with even more people. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And every week you've been so generous in providing us with a, uh, a goodie of the week. What's the goodie of the week this week? The goodie of the week this week is a, a podcast, a tutorial that is entitled eight secrets to getting paid because too many people don't get paid enough and or they don't get paid on time and or they don't get paid at all and so uh, we're gonna put the uh, the link on on the page uh, below this uh, below the uh, the podcast and again I would love to hear what you think of this tutorial podcast um, and what you'll be able to create in terms of results uh, with, from that Great. Yeah, so many good giveaways and good tools that you've been offering. So I hope people will check that out on fuelradio.com. And uh, by the time people hear this, there will be a page with all of the episodes on, <laughs> on one page. Uh, so they'll be listed individually, but they'll also be listed on one page on fuelradio.com. So if you want the eight secrets to getting paid. As soon as you said that, I thought, man, I want that tool as well. <laughs> so I hope people will We'll check that out. You've been so generous in giving away some, some great tools. Tell us just quickly a little bit about the Build to Rock program. We haven't pushed this very much, but you have a special offer for Fuel Radio listeners. I do, I do. So Build to Rock is, is an online step-by-step -step business and brand building program. You have access to me every week on a live Q&A call. You also have access to eight modules that help that will help you differentiate yourself this is the whole position it right deliver it right get paid right part of build to rock and so i help you differentiate yourself from your competitors i help you uh, charge more for what you do and create so much value that you will create a waiting list of people who are going to want to work with you regardless of price and uh, you know i talk about um how to plan for your business, how to automate and eliminate certain things, um, how to market yourself effectively, um, who, who is your client avatar. You know when you go to networking events and people ask you what do you do and it's a very hard question to answer. Well, I have a step-by-step -step simple process to help you figure this out um, and really nail parts of your uh, brand foundation. So it basically is a business building and brand building uh, uh, brand building program. It's like build, building a business in a box, basically. And uh, I've had hundreds of Build to Rock graduates. And uh, at the end of the process, all of them are getting paid more. All of them know exactly, exactly what they sell, why they do it that way. And like their brand foundation is crystal clear. Um, and they all, at the end of this, they all want to continue the process. They're like, oh my God, I can't, but what am I going to do without Build to Rock in my life? Now, the video part, you have access for life. Uh, the, the private Facebook group, you have access to me through that for life. Um, it's the, the, the calls, the live, the live calls. You've got 14 weeks of live calls with me. And uh, it is by far the best 
business and brand building program out there. It's taken me a year to build it. Um, and believe me, Rod, I wish I would have had a program like this when I was starting my business. So I encourage people to go see it, go apply. It's by application only. Um, go apply at buildtorock.com. The application is very simple. It'll take you about a minute to fill out, not even. You will get a one-on-one -on -one call with me. I do those calls personally. I will assess if you're the right fit for Built to Rock, and uh, and the offer is a $500 scholarship uh, for Built to Rock. So I encourage people to go apply. It's absolutely free to apply, to apply, and it's free to have this initial consultation with me. That's great. So if people are listening on iTunes or on Facebook, like a lot of people do, then uh, they can go through Fuel Radio. We're obviously an affiliate for this. Just full disclosure. But uh, I really believe in this program. I really believe in working with a coach. And I really believe in working with top-notch coaches like Isabel. So I hope people will check that out on fuelradio.com. So what's up next? What are we going to talk about in our next episode? Next episode is business architecture ingredient number five, which is key performance indicators. And I will explain if, if some of you are going, huh, what is that? I will explain exactly what that is. And by the way, a client of mine doubled her business by simply implementing a few, but very powerful KPIs. So that's what we'll talk about. Excellent. Well, thanks so much, Isabel. It's always such a pleasure talking with you and lots of great information in this episode. We went a little long today, but that's okay. There's lots of good stuff. Awesome. I, I look forward to the next episode. And please, anyone, connect with me on the, the Built to Rock Facebook group. Uh, I would love to converse and help you further in, in, that, uh, in Facebook. The world can stop me now, no. And on the music, I will run on the beat. Play my guitar, 